You are in the Grotto Pod. I am in the Grotto Pod. Bridget's in the Grotto Pod, and guess what? She has something in her eye. She has something in her eye. Mm-hmm. Nobody else is in the Grotto Pod. Oh, it's fantastic. It's just us. It's so spacious and roomy. We could probably stay in here for two hours without running out of air. <laughs> well, no. They wouldn't find our limp, lifeless bodies for four hours. <laughs> There's actually only 33% more air than usual because Why? usually there's three and oh. now there's two. So whereas the air runs out after an hour. I'll bet it doesn't like work like that. An hour 20. More complicated. Maybe. As soon as Bridget's done, we're playing with her phone. We're going to have a... Um, I'm multitasking. We are busy. We're going to have an unusual uh, podcast today, something we might be doing from time to time, taking a little break from our regular format in which uh, we welcome a third person into the Grotto Pod. and An eminence. An eminent writer, uh, author. Unlike sorry, ourselves. Unlike ourselves. And pick their brains for information about them or a specific topic. Today we're cutting out the middleman, just going straight to topic. What do you think of that? I'm going to consider this the Larry BQ Smackdown episode. Mm, Smackdown, huh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, Is that uh, a wrestling term? You're asking me? I don't you know. You just think because I look like a Russian gangster, I would know something about wrestling? And you're male. And I'm sort of low And lived culture. through the 80s. <laughs> I, I thrived through the 80s, let me tell you. Um, there must have been wrestling then. And let me apologize in advance for any unusual S noises I'm making because I'm eating an Altoid right now. As soon as that ends, uh, my S's will come through very clearly. I hope I get this thing out of my eye because it's really driving me crazy. Okay. Today, uh, we are going to discuss something that is near and dear to my co-host's heart and very far from my heart. Mm. That would be writing retreats. Mm-hmm. Or workshops. Workshops. Are those the same thing? I'm considering it anything where you get a bunch of writers, mm-hmm. you take them away from their everyday life, uh-huh. you put them somewhere, usually pastoral, generally, you know, it's usually someplace nice yeah. where they can be in nature. Yeah. And uh, as far as I know, because I've never been to one, and I'm here to tell never? you, here's where we're starting. Oh my God. We're starting with this. I have never been to a writer's conference or retreat and... Barring unforeseen overnight success, I may never go what to would, a writer's retreat or conference. What would overnight yeah. success make drop. it more likely? They'd invite me. Oh, you'd be like a speaker or sure. a giver of workshops. I'll tell you what I would be. I would be a distraction. Yeah, that could be. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Uh, I probably wouldn't. Um, unless the topic was how to become an overnight success in 35 years I wouldn't be any sort of uh, that's actually the advice everyone needs well right that, there spot on that could be so uh, <clears throat> you know what else we're not gonna do today I, I apologize to lovers of uh, Sugartown although we've got some oh. great stuff in store for you later but we're cutting out the little break in the middle there we're okay. going straight through okay Straight through. We can do it. I'm curious right now, though. Uh, I know uh, you had a hard time getting to the grotto today. I actually had some sympathy for, for my... your rage against the city. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Teenage boys rage against a machine. I rage against the city. I also had the teenage boy problem. Was he raging against a machine? No, he's sick. Oh. And he's, I just want to say he's turning 19 next week, but, <laughs> but I had to call the doctor. Because teenage boys don't, or teenagers, don't like to use the phone the way it was made. Oh. They only like to text. They don't want to make an appointment over the phone. So I, I called, and the woman was like, he's a little old for his mom to be calling. And I mm. said, yes, but he doesn't like to use the phone. She said, oh, there's an app for that. Well, there you go. I know. So I'm going to get on the app, and then I'm done. Let me cut him some slack, though. Yeah, tell me. I, uh, I don't like using the phone either. You're like a teenage boy. In fact, I hate using the phone. Oh, Some might say I'm a chronic adolescent, but that's not the problem. I always hated using the phone. Always. Always. Oh, dude, that's hard with girls. Mm, tell me about it. Back in the day. This is the amazing thing for teenage boys now and teenage mm. girls, depending mm. on which way. Uh, you can just send a naked picture of yourself and be done. Or, Well, even before you get to that point, you never have to risk talking to someone's dad if you don't yeah. want to. Oh, or, for sure. Or even worse, their sibling. Yeah, at my house, that was bad, I can tell you. Oh, well, yeah, they had to go all the way through nine of them to get to you. What are you reading there over there? I'm reading, I was looking up a um, a retreat I have not been to but want to mention. Okay. So I'm not I'm not looking at the weather or um, you know, whatever's happening in New let me York t- City. Let me tell our listeners, one of, the, uh, one of the features of this particular episode of the Grotto Pod which is coming to you in stereo, is that you're going to get a little behind-the-scenes action here because we got to fill in some spots where normally a guest would be talking. What you don't know is normally if Bridget has her phone, and she usually does, 
What she's doing is talking to her children. Or Roy. No, there's so many people I'm talking to. Really? Oh, yeah. So it's because you're in demand. Kind of. I don't know. There's a lot of kid stuff. It's true. It always seems like it's your kids. However, I just want to point out, I don't have my computer. You have your computer and your phone rings from your family (laughs) during podcasts. Yeah. I know. And it's usually some We need like a point system in here. My 19-year-old child. Yes. Who is 400 miles away. Mm -hmm. Not on someone's couch. No. No. Uh, At my sister's house. But soon he'll be in his own little apartment there. Wow. And he probably... He did call to make his own doctor's appointment, uh, but I made the uh, eye doctor appointment for him. Okay, so we're, we're equal there. Enough behind-the-scenes action. Let's talk this about... This is what it's like. <laughs> daily life. It's <laughs> a little loose today. Let's talk about <clears throat> writing retreats. And Okay, I'm just going to... I don't want to make this a point-counterpoint type of thing, but I feel like we're going into this from completely different points of view. Now, you just got back from... Uh, that was a retreat or a conference, oh, yeah, right? Oh, yeah, it was fantastic. It's the Mokoleia Writers Retreat in on the North Shore of Hawaii. Tell me you wouldn't like that. Come on, please. I, I, I'll tell you right now, I wouldn't like that. But let's not talk about that yet. Let's let's I, focus more on this. Uh, okay. Well, you can't be speechless because we're doing a I podcast. Know. I had to tell them I was speechless. Uh, that's true. It would just be silent. What happened? I'm speechless. Oh, you're speechless. Now you know. The uh, unpronounceable conference that you went to. I know. I had to write it down to be sure. Um, organized, uh, founded by our own Constance Hale. Correct. And she also runs it, and she does an amazing job. I'm telling you, it was Magical. Okay, so lay it out to me because so when I was getting into the whole writing game, mm-hmm. uh, when I was in grad school back there at uh, San Francisco State with mm-hmm. the Poe Bronson, mm-hmm. uh, word on the street was you wanted to go to Squaw Valley. Correct. That's where you want to go, or Breadloaf if mm-hmm. you can manage it, which always seemed spongy to me. You know, it's, it it's like, a weird name. It has it to is. do with the mountain range. It has nothing to do with bread. Right, right. Okay. Just to be clear. <clears throat> and let me just say, so I thought, oh, I got to go. I couldn't obviously afford bread loaf, but I got to go to Squaw Valley. Mm-hmm. Squaw Valley. Every year, I'm going to go to Squaw Valley this year. After a time, I realized that not only was I not going to go to Squaw Valley, but after experiencing two retreats, not having to do with writers. Okay. One uh, as part of a graduate program for teaching. Mm-hmm. And one Very is different. part of my now 19-year-old son's bar mitzvah training. I that realized, sounds terrible. With the help of my very lucid wife, that there's probably nothing I'd hate more yeah. than a retreat. You may be constitutionally unsuited for it. I have famously melted down both times mm-hmm. I went to a retreat. I think that happens. I so, melted down at bread loaf, no question. <laughs> I heard. Now tell us about your bread loaf meltdown. Um. We want to go straight there? Well, do we want to go straight there or do we want to stay in Hawaii? Hawaii seems much more pleasant. I know. Well, let's just say, why would you want to go to... Okay. Hawaii? Mokuleia. Mokuleia. Mm-hmm. You would want to go because it's beautiful and relaxing and you would be living right on the ocean for a week. Okay. That's pretty awesome. Which, ironically, I was doing while you were at Mokuleia. Did I say right? Correct. I think so. All right. Close enough. I'm the wrong sorry, person Connie. to ask. I know. Sorry, Connie. Um, okay. So... I personally love to be around people who esteem and hold dear the things I do, mm, I plus want to like. party. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I mean, the workshops are in the morning for two and a half hours, and the rest of the day is yours. All right, tell me what the workshops are like. Okay, so I ran the nonfiction workshop. Okay. And this retreat happens to be actually a great retreat for anyone who's interested in writing because you don't have to submit work to be allowed in. Mm. If you can show that you have really a demonstrated track record, wanting to write, interest in writing, you can come. Almost. Well, I shouldn't say you can come, but you have a very good chance of coming. Um, there is There were workshops this year in... Um, nonfiction in a kind of uh, fiction, nonfiction poetry, like sort of finding your way into writing, and then a master class in nonfiction and memoir with our own Zoe Fitzgerald Carter. Who, who I met last Friday yeah. and is very tall. She's very tall, very beautiful, and an amazing singer, and she is the singer-songwriter in Sugartown. Sugartown. And see how incestuous the grotto is. I love it. And we want more songs from Sugartown. Zoe, if you're listening, oh my gosh, to follow up on our conversation from last weekend, she please send us songs. At the end of the conference, she sang Dylan's Forever Young. And oh, I was nice. Sobbing, <laughs> sobbing like a baby. Okay, so 
for two and a half hours, you get to talk about writing. You get to do writing. There's a lot of writing at this retreat. So uh, the people in my workshop all started pieces, like came up, came with whatever they were working on. And these on. are just civilians for the most part? They're both. I mean, there was a woman in my workshop who has published a book that sold, has won three or four prizes. There was a poet in my uh, workshop who has a book of poetry that just came out and is a uh, singer in London. Mm. Um, and then there were people who had always wanted to write a certain story, um, but they have a regular job, but they write on the side, you know. The total gamut of people with amazing stories. And we really talked about, you know, how do you structure a narrative? What would work for you? What might not work? Everyone got to talk about kind of the arc of their stories. We got to workshop, like, what would maybe work, what wouldn't. So everyone, so there wasn't work submitted to get in, but everyone who came in there had a story they were working on. Not everyone. Not everyone. In fact, and, and several people in my workshop came with pieces they were working on. And because of work we did in the workshop, realized there was another story they really wanted to tell. Hmm. And I mean, it was just exciting. It's inspiring. I got a lot of writing done. I actually wrote the whole introduction to my proposal, which I have been wrestling with forever. For your next book. Yeah, because I was immersed day after day in thinking about narrative so and you thinking found about it, structure. You found it very inspiring. I found it very inspiring. Also, the thing about... Um, the Mokuleia workshop is that it's really embedded in the community. So there's all kinds of Hawaiian culture that is brought yeah, to like, life well, there. Well, the hula, with which Connie, you got to have I mean, the hula. Connie's book, The Natives Are Restless, is all about the hula, mm-hmm. which is not this like flaky tourist thing, but this deep, deep, amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, cultural art form. There were probably uh, lays as well. Lots of lays. So beautiful. I can't speak to the other kind of getting laid. Oh, come on. Um, Jeez. But that happens at retreats. I just want to say everyone knows that's true. Um, (laughs) And, you know, morning swims. I don't know. I just love that idea of it's also in our culture incredible to be with people who are psyched about reading and writing, who are excited to talk about books, who want to talk about their work, who want to talk about work they're reading. I dug it. We went on amazing hikes, swam in the ocean. I, I thought it was a perfect experience. And and so, what, t- t- give me a little little uh, hit me to the setting of this whole thing. Are you are you away? One of my issues with retreats is you're away from stuff. Yes, we are far away. Oh, see, yes. that's, I got a thing about what do you uh, want to get away isolation. from? I don't want to get away. That's the thing. I no, don't want to be out here. Where you are is on a beach. Yeah, there's I, nothing uh, you'd want to leave. You I, don't want to leave the compound. Well, I, I think it's more of an existential thing here than oh, an maybe. actual. Like, it doesn't matter if I'm on a beach. I mean, yes, I like beaches just fine, though I prefer okay. mountains. Then you should go to Tin House. That's a great writer's workshop on the West Coast, and you're in Portland. But what I'm saying is, oh, you're actually in town. You're at Reed College. Oh. I want to take my sweater off, but I have these things on. What the, oh, head. the headphones? Go ahead and take them off. Okay. Again, we're getting a little bit of behind-the-scenes action here. Uh, the headphones, which are employed to give us an idea of what the listening levels are, can get in the way if you're trying to take off a sweater. Which I really was insane to wear in here. That's crazy. Yeah, it's really not smart to wear a, a sweater into the grotto pod. No. Tell me about your... Uh, so, all right, fine. So it's great. We're, we're all there. <laughs> we're all talking about writing. We're yep. all on the same page. Nobody's talking about sports ever. That is untrue. Oh, so many judgments. <laughs> you could go to Breadloaf and you could run the Breadloaf 5K. That's not a sport. There's no ball. Oh, God. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I have known Bridget Quinn now for three years, and that could possibly be the most sour look I've ever received from her. <laughs> I am so annoyed. For questioning the validity of running as a sport. Because it's so ridiculous. What would happen if I went to a retreat? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Here I am. I show up at the retreat, right? It's nighttime. Mm-hmm. The, the the workshop's over. Mm-hmm. We're all sitting around. We're drinking wine, not beer, because that's what you do. You drink wine. Untrue. And I'm, I leave because I want to watch a Golden State Warriors game. You'd have tons of people go with you. Really? For example, really? when we were at Breadloaf, Jim Ruland, Elizabeth Wetmore, me, I don't remember, a few other people left. Somebody had a car, and we went to a sports bar and watched. You were allowed to leave. See, my experience with retreats has been they're not allowed to leave. It's like an S sort of thing. After the primal scream therapy, you can leave. we watched a lot of sports. We were out quite late, and we came back. That happens. You know, I feel like you're making judgments about writers, that they are somehow either emasculated or uninterested in popular culture. Hmm. You know, Susan Ito is like the biggest Warriors fan 
in Northern California. She's like been on TV about it. Really? Yeah. How funny. Several times. Um, well, you know, you, you could be right. You could be wrong. Uh, I could be basing <laughs> things on the things I There's hear. There's a song the, in that. Uh, right. You could be Billy Joel, but then I think I would know if you were Billy Joel. Yeah, sure. uh, you could be. I could be basing it on what I hear, you know, around here, um, uh, or what you've made up in your mind. No, what I hear around here. Oh, really? Okay, oh, tell, tell me. me. I want to hear that. Tell me. I, that. I, I, they don't do the sports thing around here. Oh, I thought you meant you heard it's like that. Oh no, no, no! I don't know anything. Uh, let me tell sure you. I'm into sports. Well, you run. In, let no, me back I'm up. Into all sports. Let me back up. Okay. Uh, Early on, so the impression I had gotten from writing retreats or conferences more than retreats mm-hmm. was that they were a great place to network. I think that's true. And a great place. They'd, there'd always be agents there. And you'd try to like, you know. That I think, I don't know. You think that's overblown? Although, um, uh, Lee Kravitz, right. who I finally called by the correct Very name. Very inspirational. He's amazing. And now that you're calling me Lee, too. I called Larry Lee yesterday. Everybody, we're all Lee. But not on purpose. I... Well, I gave it a lot of thought, and I think I'm just going to be Lee right now. I think I'd right. be better off that okay. way. Um, Lee, who helped start Lit Camp right. with Janice Cook-Newman and maybe other people I don't know, but that, they have had an amazing track record of people meeting their agent there. So I right. guess it does happen. I shouldn't poo-poo that. But in my experience, it's not a big thing that happens. See, and for neophytes like me who don't know, so let me let me set the stage. So three years ago, four years ago, I got this memoir. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And I'm clueless. Despite, you know, having, geez, 20 years writing for newspapers and magazines, I still have right. the slightest idea right. what you do when you have this body of work. Right. I still think there's some magic bullet, you know, some magic pill. You can, hey, here's a bunch of agents who want you. So I, I started looking at these various conferences like, oh, yeah, uh, there was one, the Algonquin. Have you heard yep. of that? Yes. But I had no, it's like, there's all these agents here. Come to New York and you will meet Agents. And I think, A, it's in New York, mm-hmm. so I won't be That's isolated. Yeah. I'll be agents. Yes. Uh, see, bars, like the, like all three. Yeah. But they have the, those in Portland, too. I'm just I, saying, it's I closer. Know. I've okay. been to Portland. I've I know. But Tin House, it's close. You hate Portland. I know, but I like Tin House. Okay. <laughs> I don't thing, hate the Portland. The only thing could make it better if it wasn't in Portland. No, I don't. That is incorrect. I do not hate. You had Portland. a bad experience with Portland. Rick Roy had a bad experience with oh, Portland. I know. I'm so I bad. Edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> My husband Roy had a bad experience in Portland. I had a fine experience. Okay. Okay. Anyways, so I get to the the the, the brink of this thing, and I got to say, there's really, and maybe you can help our listeners with this because you're more in the know than me. There's really no way to vet. Correct. It just says, hey, there's agents. So you start going on Google. Is this the real deal? Am I, I, the last thing you want to be mm-hmm. is that idiot mm-hmm. who gets taken and spends $800 right. or more and finds you know, himself surrounded by amateurs and is then by association a rank amateur. I think you definitely can't go thinking this is how I'm going to meet an agent. That's not the mm. reason ever to go, in my opinion, to a conference or a retreat. There might be agents there. You might get incredibly lucky. It could be great. But, but would you at least get good advice? That is why you might want to go. Definitely. And I think rank amateurs, I mean, someone could be have no track record and still be a great writer. Someone could right. be have a big publishing history and be a hack. It's, it's hard to know. I mean, there are places like... Redloaf, Tin House, Squaw, those are pretty those are like the reliable. Big, what are the big names? Those three and then... There's so many. There's so many good ones. I know. I just saw a Puget Sound one showed up in my inbox the other day. I'm like, ooh. I've heard of that Whidbey one. Whidbey Island, maybe? Oh, Whidbey Island. Talk about isolated. That's crazy. As long as there's a town. Okay. Um, yeah. Breadloaf's not for you. <laughs> See, that's the thing. But there is like a fun bar and... As long as you're going to. Let me tell you. I went to a... Uh, so this retreat... First one, first retreat I went on was for uh, grad school, and they isolated us, mm-hmm. and they made us dance. Oh, you hate that. And uh, <clears throat> at the end, they made us go walk into the forest and create a, mm-hmm. a culminating project, and I wrote a scathing prose poem <laughs> that branded me a malcontent for the rest of my time in grad school. Second time. That sounds uh, was, very California. It was Washington, actually. Oh, Washington. Okay. Second time was for uh, the bar mitzvah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all get ready to go, we're, and as we're driving up to uh, Marconi Center up there mm-hmm. in Marshall, beautiful, mm-hmm. about an hour out, I go, this isn't going to go well. 
And I say to my wife, I, sh- I really shouldn't do this. And she says, uh, come on, you got, no, you're not turning around. I said, really? I should just Maybe get out of the car. you have anxiety of some kind. No. <laughs> you mean specifically <laughs> relating to writing retreats? <laughs> well, that's wasn't a writing retreat. That's a little too Social focused. anxiety. We're not here to psychoanalyze me. Well, you're putting it out there. I'm just going to say. I'm just saying, as soon as I get there, mm-hmm. I get this feeling of being trapped the fact that we had to pretend to be birds at dinner didn't help. Yeah, that sounds pretty sucky. They don't do that at writing retreats? Not so far in my experience. Do they have campfires? Yes. Okay. Sometimes. Depends. Does someone have a guitar? Uh, I mean... Yeah, yeah, I'll bet. Well, Zoe had a guitar. It was the greatest. She's a professional. Yeah. Anyways, the uh, Friday night services went till about 1030, and then I raised my hand and said, no more. And then again, branded malcontent rest of the weekend. Thirty. That would I would that would send me over the edge of reason. Now, granted, some other people dealt with it in a more subtle way. They just filled their coffee Stopped cups going. with whiskey and just <laughs> passed out. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I had to. I had to make it Take a thing. It on. So I got to say, I'm a little uh, whatever you know uh, assumptions you might have about my character. I'm a little. But the experience has been that I'm a little gun shy. Yeah. About these well, things. Well, you probably shouldn't go then. Right. Well, that's what I'm thinking. But, is but I it, think for most people. Right. Is it? <laughs> what I'm here is to free you. What I'm here to do is to free you from the assumption that you have to go. Is it yes. something that, I mean, how, how beneficial? I mean, you said okay. it's great. Okay, it's great. Yeah. Do you have to go? Maybe you do. Oh, no. Actually. That's because here's why. We are at the Grotto, which is this incredible community. We're kind of a retreat. Yeah, it basically is a retreat. It's a community of people who we help each other, we talk to each other, we vet things with each other. Say I had never left Great Falls, Montana. Okay. And yes, there are writers in Montana, but Montana's far-flung places. Maybe it's hard to hook in with people. Who knows? Going to a writer's conference, you become connected to people you wouldn't otherwise have connections to. And they last forever. I mean, the people, I'll give you an example. Hey, this morning example. on Facebook, okay. Vanessa Wah, who we have. Legendary. Legendarily. Legendary promoter, legendary writer. So fantastic. Legendary Grotto Pod guest. Legendary Grotto Pod guest. Um, is going to Breadloaf this summer as a fellow. Mm. And there's like over 100 likes. And in the comments section are, I wrote, Breadloaf09 forever. Mm, for the four, but for the four, because I met her in 2009 at, at Red Loaf. But you said it was traumatic. Well, I had a traumatic experience. Do one tell. day. Hold on, I'm going to okay. finish oh, the sorry, thing about okay. about. okay, so I and all these people responded, and I knew and am Facebook friends with almost all of them, and they've gone on to have super interesting careers of all kinds, including running bookstores, being novelists, poets, writers. Three people in my nonfiction workshop with David Shields, that was fantastic, have nonfiction books out this spring. So we have a little synergy with each other and we're able to... Well, but I would also... Yes. And if I didn't have the grotto, that's all I'd have. You'd, all, would you'd, be, have, you'd be a bread loafer, not a grotto person. Well, I could be both, but like, the point But that is, would be like the defining characteristic of your writing Whether life. it's defining or not, I would still have access to Vanessa's good ideas, to um, Elena Passarello's hilarious and awesome Facebook posts and Instagram feed, which I can recommend to everyone. Um, she had a book come out recently, Animal Strike Curious Poses. I, you know, I would have that connection to someone else promoting a book in the spring. And I just have to say, um, Alexandria Marzano Lesnovich. Her book, Ooh. The Fact of a Body, just came out. It's going to be one of the biggest books of the year. It's huge. Tell me something. You had to yeah. write that down, huh? I did. Yeah, I, had I thought to, you looked down. I had to because she has a complicated name. Did you write it phonetically? No, I might not have pronounced it right because I only call her Alexandria. So I, I don't blame you. Um, but the point is, if I didn't have the grotto, I would still have these women who I'd had a connection to. Well, how many years ago is that? Seven, eight? Eight. Eight years ago who... You know, I have their example. I have their um, their network to talk to about questions. So interesting. What their inspiration. <clears throat> what you're saying. So so balance it out for me as far as value goes. I mean, we are in a we're in a, a a unique place where we're part of the grotto. Right. We get a lot of community from here. We get a lot. Yeah, of, we exactly. get a lot of contact. A lot of networking from here. Exactly. Balance for me the value of the networking value of going to Breadloaf versus the nuts and bolts value of going to a, a retreat like that, a conference like that. Um, 
I think it's both. I mean, I learned so much in that workshop. So here's what my my uh, meltdown was. Okay. It, it was 2009. I was still teaching. I couldn't believe I'd gotten into bread loaf. It was unbelievable. I had no community at all. So I'd, not a chip on your shoulder, but like, uh, am I, should I really be here? Well, the opposite. Like, yeah. Yeah. I don't belong here. Right. Right. Just and a teacher. I'm just a high school and teacher. And I hadn't really published anything. Well, no, I had just had a piece in narrative. And that's, I think, probably why I got in. I have no idea. Um, but I was gearing back up as a writer. But it had been years since I'd really had, I thought, serious work being published and that I was writing consistently. So then I met Breadloaf with these amazing, like, Alexi Zetner. Is that how you say his last name? He was one of the... You didn't write that one down. I know. He was one of the um, waiters that year. Being a waiter is like a good thing. Um, and he had a piece, he had a, he had a short story in the Atlantic that week. (laughs) And he's serving you chicken. Right. And so it got to, it just got to a fever pitch of overwhelming where I suddenly was like, I suck. I don't belong. I had just an emotional meltdown Mm in like day three or day four. How'd you, how'd you bounce back? Um, I didn't really, I just, uh, I had like a meltdown where I was like crying in the library. (laughs) <laughs> and it wasn't because anyone had been mean to me. It wasn't. There was no. It wasn't anything like that. It was just a failure of nerve. Oh, I know what happened. We had an. Oh, no, oh. no. Yeah. But you actually, you bring up a good issue, though. Um, is the idea of going to something? You know, there's all sorts of conferences all over there, and right. at all different levels, totally. and that's really. And I've been to all of them. At, well, and that Every one's level. kind of top of the heap. Yeah. Yeah. So this idea of going to it and feeling we're not worthy. The, the extra pressure that would put on you when you're there would really color your experience. It's kind of like when you play sports against a team that is better than you. You tend to play up, not down. Oh. And it made me bring my game up. And also what happened was they had we someone, I think it was um, Michael Dickman maybe. <laughs> um, you don't have to write that one down. Um, yeah. Uh, decided that we would have an alternate reading series in the laundry room. I like that. I know. It was super fun. And we would read on the ironing board. And just to be there every night in the evenings, just hanging out, being goofballs, but reading work we really wanted to read. And I read a piece that, for whatever reason, maybe just being nice, maybe people were drunk, got a really great response. And that <laughs> carried me for years. And I'm not kidding you. <laughs> like, it was huge for me. And also you hear, you know, there's so many people who come and read in the evenings in the barn, which is the big deal place to read. The barn. The barn. And that's inspiring. Like you really feel like you're part of something uh, in American letters. It was, it sustained me for years and I'm not exaggerating. Okay. Flip it on its head. Okay. What's the worst experience you've had at a, at a retreat? Worst experience? Other than melting down. Because that meltdown seems like yeah, it would, incidental. It sucked. It sucked. Um, I had a very bad experience in the 80s. Or no, I'm sorry. The no, 80s. The 90s. In the early 90s in New York, it was uh, part of Bar. I think I'd had a really good workshop there and signed up for another one and was with a female writer I will not name and she called my character a dumb C word. Oh, she was like, I don't care about her. I was that her. Was that was she one of these people? That was her shtick. I have no, not really. I don't know. She was just like, no, not really. She was like, this is just some dumb. Oh, can't geez, say that, you can't say that on the Grotto Pod for God's sake. Take sense. that out. Um, that I don't care about. I don't, I don't know how to bleep things out. And it was, and it was all at that level. It was just at this like. So just sort of a kind of base abusive. And I mean, abusive just like offhand. I mean, abuse sounds like targeted. So right. Just like a throwaway. And several people had experiences like that. And it wasn't very elevated. And at any rate, I didn't go to another retreat for years. So it left a mark. I was just like, that sucks. That's a stupid waste of money. Sort of off topic, but on topic. I was just listening to Griffin Dunn. You know who he is? On a podcast. He's an actor and a director. And he's he's Dominic Dunn's son. Oh. But he was talking about uh, how he went to, what's it, the Actors Playhouse? Wherever Todd went. Oh, yeah. Remember Todd Oppenheimer? Yeah, Stella Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it was still Adler, Adler he was talking about. Mm-hmm. No, it was Uta Hagen. Oh, Uta Hagen. She was he, terrifying. Oh, my right, God. Right. That's what he said. He said, the way you knew if you were no good is if you did your scene and she didn't rip into you. If she just went, oh, that's that was good. You couldn't, because that was like her shtick. Like, I'm going to rip into you and that's how you know I care, which doesn't work for everybody, I got to say. If you ever want to be terrified as an interviewer. You don't want to be? No. Okay. Well, uh, uh, listeners, if you want to be, you can listen, <laughs> if you can find it, to uh, Terry Gross interviewing, I believe it's Uta Hagen. Uta Hagen? And holy moly. 
Even Terry Gross. She gets ripped into, but Terry Gross is so badass. She just came right back at her, like, cool, calm, and got her back on her heels. It was kind of awesome. Most frightening person I, I ever interviewed was uh, NBA Commissioner David Stern. Oh, yeah, I can, I can Terrifying. Imagine. And I was all cocky before. I'm like, what? He looks like my Uncle Saul. You know, how can he be scary? No, very, yeah, very frightening. I can imagine he would be man. a terrifying man, yes. So um, <clears throat> let's go back to the retreat. Okay. I, you know what I think? I think there's there's different writing worlds, maybe. Maybe mm-hmm. that's kind of what I'm looking at. You know how I'll walk around saying, you know, boy, if I could trade writing careers with anyone, it'd be Chuck Klosterman. Yeah. Someone in that world. Yeah. I can't really see him at a writing retreat, or, or if yeah. he'd go over well at a writing retreat even. I, I think you're right. Well, I, I do think that there are many different kinds of instructors at retreats, too. Yeah. Uh, maybe, or, yeah, I do but think so, there are. So, are there, so, so if I'm a guy... Yeah. Who's into that? If I'm a guy like, oh, I'll you know, bet there are. I, 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 wonder, bet, I just yeah. don't know what they are, but I yeah. bet they are. Because it seems like you know, there's the same names that come up again. You have Breadloaf, of course, yeah, Squaw I, Valley. I think there's a, a friend of mine, um, I'm just going to say her name, Jennifer March Soloway, is a um, YA agent. And she is get, she related to Jill Soloway? No. Weird, right? Interesting. Um, and a bummer. And yes. I, if I ever get to meet her again... Oh, you've met Jill Soloway? No, Jennifer. Oh, you met Jennifer, yeah. Offhandedly, just completely randomly. Yeah. I'll have to remind her of it because I'll be totally out of context, but I have met her before. Okay. So, and she's great. And she often goes to these conferences um, for YA authors and Mm -hmm. they sound fantastic, Um, but they're completely off my radar. Like I wouldn't even know they existed except that we're friends. And so. Because the writing world, can it get siloed? I think so. I think I'm Little, in such uh, a silo. I don't know these other places. Term there for you. But um, Jennifer and I met. Oh no, Jennifer and I met running. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but Were you tossing a ball back and forth to make it a sport? Don't need to because it's already a sport. <laughs> um, when we have nothing to prove, and she certainly has nothing to prove. Boston qualifier last couple of years. At any wow. rate. Um, we had, I had been at Tin House and had been in a workshop with a woman named Thea Sullivan, and she and I decided we would start a writer's group. This is years before the grotto. I had no community at all, and I met Jennifer, and we started a writer's group together in San Francisco, and Thea was also one of the um, early people with Lit Camp. So I was able to have Thea in my life and start this writer's group because it was Thea's idea because I had met her, even though we live in the Bay Area, in Portland. Did that make any sense? Well, it was a little roundabout, but yeah. sure, it made sense. Yeah. And, and basically what you're describing is how you're building a community. Right. Which you and seem to be really good at because you're a go-getter. Is that right? Yeah, I think so because okay. you're describing a bunch of overlapping communities here. Yeah. And, and most of them occurred because you did something. Okay, that's true. But also I was very desperate because I had been See how this out- works? Like, you rip on me, I'm nice to you. That's how that's how the grotto pod works here. Oh, that might be true. But See you have on yourself. Goes. Well, that's because it's, 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 it's also because I'm uh, trying to convince you that you might like it, but actually you might not, and you don't even well, need a writer's workshop because you have this. Right. And I got to say, the, the tipping point. Do. The tipping point for me was actually Lit Camp, which mm-hmm. when I first met the most inspirational man in the world, oh. Kravitz. Oh, right. He said, "Oh, you should try to get in Lit Camp." And as I do, anytime someone says, "Oh, you should try to," you don't want to. No, I went. Oh my God, I got to do this. Oh, okay. So I, I looked at it, and I was like, i got to do this. And, of course, I was like, well, what if I apply and I'm not good enough? And this guy who's, like, all inspirational has to say no to me. And But that aside, I was telling my wife, and she said, why do you want to do that? You hate those things. Mm. And I thought about what would it be like. And I see, you know, Lit Camp just happened. Right, and people, people seem to have a great time. love Lit Camp. And, and many people have gotten agents there. And it's very successful for people. Yep. And when you go to the um, basement reading series that they do um, – there's a ton of Lit Camp uh, alum. Did you go to Lit Camp? Well, I want to tell you this story. Okay. It's important because my book has done pretty well. Mm-hmm. And I've gone to Breadloaf. I've gone to Tin House. I did not get into Lit Camp. Really? Yes. And so. Did Lee have to say no to you? Yeah. Wow. He did. I bet it, felt, it probably felt great anyway. For him? No, for you. Oh, no. The, I'm still <laughs> well, okay. Yeah. Well, no, it was a form thing. Oh, okay. I think they don't have names on them, which is good. Yeah, right? well, they shouldn't. And yeah. that's the right way to do it. And my only point is, um, it didn't really suck that much. Like, I understand. Right. Rejection's part of the game. Right. And well, if we don't know that by now. Right. And so maybe you won't get in. It's no big deal. Like, just go to the next well, thing. Actually, and and the, it was, that was a chapter from the book, by the way. So that's all I, my only point is. I use a chapter from the book that oh. came out that's done fine. And oh. so. This it, is a chapter from a published book. Well, it hadn't been published yet. Right. I, my only point is... A publishable book. Right. A publishable book. A, and I'm an, a fine writer, and I didn't get in, and that's 
the way it is. It doesn't mean I suck, and it doesn't mean they were wrong. Well, actually, me saying I didn't think I'd get in was just a speed bump to my real purpose of bringing up that story, which was, you know, and and it was reinforced again when there was a bunch of pictures on Facebook of everyone sitting around drinking wine. And you didn't like that. Well, no, I just thought, eh, probably not for me. Yeah, maybe not. Probably not for me. So... That which leads us with the quandary, short of finding the Chuck Klosterman-led retreat right. that's in a bar in New York. Have you ever looked? Maybe there no, is. I, I got to say, I haven't. You were probably right. I'll bet there is. You can just sit around and crack wise and talk about sports and throw a little writing but in there, too. But is that going to help your writing? I mean, this is the other thing, is that I have gotten a lot out of my workshops. Right. Not like, always. But that's what I asked earlier, nuts and bolts wise yes. versus. See, what Huge. I would like to get out of a workshop like that would be contacts. Networking, meet other people. Yeah. Well, like-minded people. I think that is for sure. The like-minded part. Yeah, I mean... That I, would be the big part. But I think then you do want one that's more right. targeted toward right. what you're looking for. I met like-minded people. I found it fantastic. I have been in workshops that they have been unhelpful. Or it just was like whatever. But I've also been in ones that have been amazing. Have you been in ones where you got there and thought, eh, these people not so much versus ones where you oh, said, sure. I met my lifelong friends? Uh, yes, and I could have been wrong both times. Oh, interesting. Yes. Look at not trusting herself a little bit. Oh, yeah, for sure not. Oh. Um, and I also, keep... that's part of the fun of being a writer, I feel like. It's like I get to do these cool things and talk about fun stuff and hang out with people I, I admire. I, I the, like that. The fun of being a writer is actually writing for me. Yeah. I got to say. I don't find it that fun. Oh, I find it pretty fun. Oh, that's good. I mean, I do and I don't. It's hard to explain. Like, I find it so terrifying and upsetting until I'm really in it and then I love it. But getting to that point can just be so ugh, hard. I'm, I'm a little riffy yeah, writing. That's so, good. So when you start going right. and you realize you just wrote 4,000 words yeah, in an hour a, and then you're like, hey, this is actually pretty good. I know. That's the best. That's when you're like, this is like, I just ran a 10k and i feel i, I got like runner's that. high and i'm gonna now juggle a few balls to make it and into it's a sport. also it's i heard um uh, before the most recent olympics in rio they were interviewing michael phelps and he said that every single morning he doesn't want to jump in the pool really like every single morning he's like uh it's gonna be cold it's gonna be and i, I would love that i thought that's how i feel every time i sit down at the desk like, <laughs> uh, i have to do this but once i start doing it i do love it well and what's nice too about doing it too especially uh, let me try to phrase this in the right way. When you when you choose this path, there's two things that can happen, and this is going to be negative. So you don't like negative. Close your ears. <laughs> One, you have committed yourself to a life where it's hard to make a living. Yeah. And two, you've committed yourself to a life where a lot of people think they can do it too. Yes, both of those things are totally true. And those can be real, you know, yeah. uh, spirit crushers. Mm-hmm. Just to sit there and realize. So if you can sit down and pound something out, and then go. Wait, this is, I'm really good at this, and that was really easy. That can make up for a lot of, I don't make any money, and everyone thinks they can do it. I have to say, I do find the satisfaction, especially after I've, like, the second or third round of editing, where it starts to cinch together and be this super cool thing. Mm -hmm. It just feels so masterful. Like, yeah. It is totally a charge. Yeah, like this is my 95-mile-an-hour fastball. Yeah, completely, completely. <laughs> like I, and, and also because every time I face the page, I think, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm a hack. I'm an idiot. I'm a fraud. Right. I don't know what I'm doing. And then when I have that second or third or fourth or fifth revision and it starts to come together, I feel like I know what I'm doing. Like I know how to do this. Right. You know what's hard for me? Well, let's talk about me for a while. I want to. You know what's hard for me? And this is a little bit off topic from talking about writing retreats, but so what I'm good at, and maybe this, it does actually work into it. What I'm good at, I don't think, if I was honest, doesn't go over that great at writing retreats. I'm not good at serious prose. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of funny and kind of quick and kind of easy to read and I can just riff and, um... It's kind of hard to tell myself that it's okay to be good at that. I think that's valued. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I don't know. Um, I mean, it's not changing the world. Well, what is? Well, we're going to have Roberto Lovato in here soon. Oh, damn. And we're going to have, did you see I got an email from another Grotto member today that I forwarded to you? Yes, I did see that. Philip Robertson, who I met at the party and was a great guy. I met his wife and kid, and he said... Hey, I want to come on the Grotto Pod, and I thought, let me remember what we were talking about what he does. And I googled him, like, 
captured by ISIS in 2013 yeah. with other journalists, the only one to survive. Huh. Okay, yeah. Well, I'll just write something about toothpaste on my website, yeah. and then we can talk about you being captured by ISIS. That's what I mean. There's people out there writing serious stuff. Again, my cross to bear. putting their lives on the line in ways that are, like, unimaginable. Exactly. Roberto told me about a, a journalist he was friends with who just got killed in Mexico, I and I looked the guy up. I was like, Phew. I know. It's... Yeah, I mean, journalism is... It's probably the most badass thing I can think of doing. Well, in the to world. have that seriousness of purpose, right? I think if you waltzed into your writing retreat with that, right, then you're, uh, you're I, doing pretty good. I can't believe I can't think of his name. I was in a, um, a writer's workshop at Tin House with a guy who was a Navy SEAL, mm. and he was writing. You're going to like this. He was writing pieces all about food <laughs> in Afghanistan. Okay. And he read a piece that was funny and horrifying mm-hmm. about black cat licorice, and it was in the New Yorker like six months later. That's and pretty awesome. He was so badass. I'm so bummed. I can't think of his name right now. Um, did you try Googling the article? Oh, I could find it if I did that right now. I'm just saying offhand. But you don't um, have it written down. You might mispronounce it. Yeah. Um, you know, that you could have seriousness of pur- purpose and... I mean, what could be more serious than that? And right. have a it wasn't lighthearted. That's the wrong word. But tr- maybe a light touch. Yeah, it was lively. A light touch. And it yeah, was lively. Like, it was almost like reading Catch Twenty Two or something mm-hmm. like that. Where or um, Slaughterhouse Five is that Slaughterhouse? <laughs> Shoot! My whole brain is shutting down. But anyway, that there are people who can also do it all. Like, I mean, he's not a journalist. He's and he wasn't in Afghanistan as a journalist. But still, that he's able to take that back and bring it to his work, well, I, I that impresses me too. Part of the, I mean, part of, I guess, what I'm talking about, and you can tell me if this is something you can actually glean from going to a number of conferences, is the idea that eventually you can show up and go, this is what I do, and I'm real good at it, and you're either going to like it or you're not going to like it, but it's pretty good, so here it is. I think, of course. I mean, would, would that being around other writers help you define that, or would, it help, would you end up going, well, you know, I'm not writing about underserved people and well my experience that that's not what's happening at so what is happening what are people doing what are they writing about i think they're writing about everything yeah but with a kind of literary intention Mm. more than Mm. i don't know anyone who was writing journalism oh right right yeah i guess that was kind of a Um, a red herring uh and i mean i've read every kind of well for example um Alexandria Marzano Lesnovich. Twice. I had Successfully, to she said it. <laughs> well, we don't know. Maybe. I, I don't think I've well, ever heard you, her last name said. You know, there was consistency, though, and that's what's really important. But she was working on at, at Breadloaf and the book that just came out. So 10 years she's been working on this book, Oof. and it's going to be huge. The Fact of a Body um, is a combination murder, a true crime murder. Mm-hmm. She was a lawyer who went to the South to act pro bono for a death row inmate who was some kind of like child molester and killer. And that is her own past and her own life experience is folded into the story. So it's both a kind of journalism and kind of true crime, but it's also very literary. Hmm. And it's freaking amazing. Yeah. Well, and that sort of points to what another thing that we tend to grapple with, at least I tend to grapple with when I look at what gets published is... It's not always the talent of the writer. It's the interest. It's the hook of the story. Of course. Which, of if course. you're writing about toothpaste, is not or raccoons, not. But there are people who can make that so interesting. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I mean, you know, you think about someone like uh, Cormac McCarthy, and yeah. The Road. Like, yeah. I, do I even for a second believe that he would be such a best-selling writer given his prose style if he wasn't writing about super violent, apocalyptic? Right. Like, you you got to have the hook if you, you want that kind hook. of popular. Yeah. But that doesn't mean he's not a fantastic writer in prose style. Right. But it, so so it's a, that's like the key to have like, I got a really great idea and I happen to be a great writer too. <laughs> that is... Um, I think it's easier to get away with not having the second if you got the first. It is... Because you can always get an editor. In terms of, yeah, but it's still not going to be what I would consider art. Oh, look at you bringing the A word into the pod. (laughs) I'm not afraid of it. I'm a little, maybe, I don't know. I know. I mean, 
I and there's room for both. I also don't have disdain for other kinds of writing at all. And I also think other kinds of writing are really hard. Someone was telling me about uh. um yeah, so I think it was my brother um and he was talking about a friend who was writing something and it was, you know, I don't know, some kind of romance. And they're hard to write. Something like you could be smart and right. not know how to write well, a romance. I have tried to write things that are densely plotted, and yeah. it's really hard. Yeah, exactly. That's my point. Like those writers are great. They're great at what they do. It's just a different field they're playing on. I know, and that's fine. And and that those can rise to the level of art too. And you can have super high minded literary fiction that is not that. Right, though, yeah. Supposedly super high-minded literary Well, it's a weird thing, and I think we live in a different time. Like, when we were, we're about the same age, and when we were younger, the idea that Stephen King would show up in The New Yorker exactly. was absurd. Exactly. Perfect example. Right? Yeah. Perfect example. And we sort of got to walk around and go, well, I don't read that stuff, even though I kind of did. I know. I didn't, but now I went back and read it because it's because really, I read on writing, and I was like, this guy is the real deal. Yeah, it's pretty It's pretty fun to read. It, it was always in my uh, in-laws guest room when my wife and I were dating oh, and we'd go up there yeah. you know like oh when you would go up there what am I going to read this time well they lived in Seattle and we lived oh. down here like I'm going to read it what am I going to read oh Christine cool I would just plow because it would take like three days you I know? was always scared to read that stuff when I was young because it was scary or because well, everyone you said how scary it was no no <laughs> I no I, I read a lot of shit <laughs> I, read, I read a ton of crap don't forget I grew up reading sports biographies <laughs> I was really into science fiction when I was like a tween and early teens. That kind of makes sense because you were kind of a, you know, rebel. That's kind of rebel stuff. Oh, yeah. And it was like, you know, nerd culture was not cool back then. And I was definitely right. a super nerd. And the thing about science fiction is it's the gamut of the worst trash, you know, you can imagine I don't, I don't like and it. super fantastic writing. And so kind of early on, I had this sense of like, why is this good and this terrible? Right. And I mean, I in, in my own sense, ability could see this is terrible mm-hmm. and this is good. And yeah, so I, I think genre fiction can be fantastic and I true get, crime I, can be fantastic yeah, I get and a little, whatever. I get a little crimey. We, we did the, we went. I don't like crime. We tore through the whole Dennis Lehane oeuvre, my wife and I. Oh, yeah. That's pretty good. And now he's, and he's another one who is now showing up fantastic, in the New Yorker. Fantastic, Yeah. Um, well, look at Truman Capote. I mean, you know. Yeah, I mean, I guess what's good is good, and I guess that, that would be yeah. good what's to get good to that good. point where, like, this is what I do, and it's real good. And now I am ready to go to a writing retreat and tell you all how it is. No, or just show up and maybe, yeah. yeah. Maybe My just, next-door neighbor, who's a poet with a 48-inch vertical leap, whoa, he told really? me, he went to, uh, I don't know where it was, but and he's also kind of a, a negative guy. But he's like, yeah, I went to one. What a bunch of weenies. I ended up shooting hoops in the in the gym by myself for three days. I think that can happen. I will say, though, the opposite. Like, I went to this way back in the day, a couple years before Breadloaf. Brown University had a nonfiction retreat. Ooh. I don't know if they still have it or not. And everyone I met there was like me. Like, they had another job, and they were trying to figure out how to write um, creative nonfiction. And it just – I don't – I I have not heard of people coming out of that who went on to be mm-hmm. people who had real careers in writing. Maybe they did. Um, but it was great. It was just great to – I encountered some of my favorite pieces of writing in the workshop that I took where I was given, you know, here's some really good things to read. I don't have an MFA. That's a big part of it. Like, you have an MFA. I don't. And so, for me, going to conferences was a way to learn how a workshop worked, learn how to workshop my own work. Well, that is an interesting point because I felt like that's where I learned how to read. Right. And I learned how to read at Brown, these, these pieces. Yeah. That was the first time someone said, here, read these a certain way. And it was... It was like the light bulb went off. And speaking of light bulbs, one just went off for me when you said that because I was in that program, Mm -hmm. which is probably the closest thing to being surrounded by grotto-like people. Totally. And I still managed to find the people I wanted to go out with after class that I'm still friends with at least one or two of them now. So maybe I'll say that. Maybe where I think conferences and retreats and workshops are really important are for people who maybe don't have an MFA and who don't have a writing community. Like those, right. uh, they are valuable. But here's what I would see, and this is what I would hope to get out of it if I did ever decide to go to one and not melt down. Yeah. So it's pretty likely I'd melt down. I need to be taught about the nuts and bolts of publishing. 
right. of all that stuff, of, of getting an agent and publishing and promoting and those sorts of things. Because I don't know. I'm still sitting in my corner writing, you know, or, or sitting but here talking. But you could do that here instantly. Right. But I could do that here. You know, we should do that on the podcast. What's that? Talk about the nuts and bolts of publishing? I just yeah. said I don't know how to do it. But we could have someone on. Oh, someone who, who knows how to, to do it. Then I could take notes. Yeah. You could take notes and we could just listen to them talk instead of talk over them like I tend to do. Oops, sorry. <laughs> I, I apologize I to everyone. Uh, for people leaving comments, please let us know which one of us is talking. I think it's both, actually. I think we both do it. It's a terrible habit. Speaking of guests, we have one waiting outside that perhaps we should stop talking amongst ourselves. Oh, yeah. And uh, do a podcast with her because she has some really fascinating stuff to talk about. Oh, yeah. I want to talk about knowing the nuts and bolts. Let me just wrap it up. Okay, do. Uh, Because that's what I do. By saying, I may be a little more convinced that there may be a writing retreat out there for me. I'm going to look for you. It would require a lot of digging and looking. It might even require starting my own. Why not? That's the thing. People are doing that these days. The, uh, the, what, did you say dudes? Yeah. <laughs> Although if you want to go play one-on-one, I will. Let's just see how it oh, pans you'd out. you crush me. <laughs> I'm not saying I'd crush you, but. You play against my wife, man. She is tough. she good? Yeah. Well, can, she I had to retire because she broke her ankle. Well, but. that's what I'm afraid of. Sometimes I call when people say they want to do these pickup games. I'm like, I'm not up for the torn ACL challenge. So I don't know what sport. I was a baseball player. Mm. And then I was a volleyball player. But I don't know oh, what volleyball. sport I could play now and not look like an idiot. Same. It's been so long, yeah. you know, and I was yeah. never a great athlete to begin with. But uh, we had a faculty student softball game once. And I yeah. could not wait to show the students. Like, how'd that go us. for you? The very first pitch, I swung like way too hard, mm. but I hit, but I Came hit the ball. Shoes, yeah. But I hit the ball, and went, and but I was kind of like off balance, and then like I went to run and fell flat on my Ooh. face, and those poor kids, they were like. So, are we allowed to laugh? Can we? There, there was no laughing. That's how high the pity level was. Oh. There was no laughing at all. They were just like, "Oh, poor Miss Quinn. She's, <laughs> she's so lame." So, yeah, we're all. And on that note, we want to thank Lee Kravitz, Beth Weingarner, Lorianne Doyle for all of their fabulous help in producing the show. Nice. Go to grottopod.com to uh, listen to all the episodes. If you haven't listened to them all, yeah. uh, please go back and do it. Uh, download us on iTunes. Leave a... Five-star review. Five-star review. Otherwise, just email us and tell us the problem. Right. <laughs> Subscribe. And don't forget to tell your friends about the Grotto Pod because yeah. it is a wonderful thing. Sometimes you'll get us talking about stuff. Sometimes you'll get fantastic guests. Like what's coming up? Like what's coming up. We don't want to tell you and give it away. I know. Secret. Uh, you can reach me at that Larry Rosen. You can reach me at Bequintrest. Got anything else? No. That's it. Take us away. All right. Friends, read, write, and just keep working. And go to retreats. Yeah. Can't hurt you. <laughs>